this is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben off the cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode. That's right, of the London is Blue podcast, your hopefully favorite Chelsea podcast or source of audio and video information. The club. That's right, posting all of these to YouTube as well. Dan here, one of your hosts. No Brandon, who is enjoying a little bit of a weekend off because it is the summer. Chelsea are not playing a match every other weekend or every midweek other day. And so that means it's just myself and one Nick Verlaney here to go through the topics we have on order. But Nick, people want to know, how are you spending your summer vacation from Chelsea? Uh, playing horrible golf, Dan. Thanks for asking. Just uh, atrocious golf round yesterday. Um, I know people really care about my golfing prowess, so I'm going to just bring that up. But, uh, but yeah, it's been nice. You know, it's uh, good to get a little bit of a break for about a month before we dive back into into preseason and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, it's been nice to golf and, you know, going to have a nice 4th of July extended holiday. And uh, yeah, do, doing big stuff. So yeah, excited uh, excited for a little bit of a wee break from uh, the madness. But as, as you know, it never stops, ever. It doesn't stop because we, we do have, despite it being a summer break for the sport, a very packed show for you today. It's even though Chelsea have had a slow pace in the transfer market, leaving many to question how much of an intent Chelsea have to bolster the squad. There's tons of information about outgoings, particularly with the emergence of Saudi suitors for several of the current members of the Chelsea squad. You also have the questionable premier sponsor for the club on the 2023-2024 kit, though not officially announced, and even more news just before we recorded about how the Premier League is involved with that. We also have the release of the Premier League fixtures, and we have some questions from our listeners, but we want to get before we do all that, we just want to say thank you to the amazing community of Chelsea supporters who listen to the podcast. We can't thank you enough for your support. You are the reason we get to do this and have continued to do this for nine and a half years. As a reminder, the best way to support the show and join an amazing community of Chelsea supporters is the Patreon. It's at www.patreon.com forward slash London Blue Pod. And also, there are plenty of free ways to support the podcast, too, if you don't want to separate yourself from a couple of dollars. And that's subscribing to the show through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leaving a five-star review. It helps people find the show. In addition, you can join us over on YouTube. And look, we're pushing there for 25 thousand subscribers which would be another major milestone and a year of milestones for the ch- for our podcast here after eclipsing a thousand episodes we're currently over twenty three thousand. and if just 10 percent of you who listen to the show join us the goal is hit and it's done and you know what? it costs nothing to subscribe helps us as an independent source of chelsea news and content compete with the legacy offerings from big media outlets funded by billions of dollars nicholas and so with that, I think the call to action is made. We're just looking for a little click, a little follow to help us reach more Chelsea supporters, particularly as we head into another season of Chelsea football. Yeah, Brandon's been putting in the work on YouTube, so I got to shout him out there. And and just on the five star reviews, I, I know we say that every show. We really enjoy reading them, like more than anything. And I think it's you know, especially in a season that didn't offer a whole lot of positivity. The fact that people still enjoyed the shows uh, during that time was was really fun and kind of helped lift us when we were a little down as well. So uh, for everyone who's done that over the last year, we thank you. If you haven't done it or if you haven't done it from a third or fourth phone yet, <laughs> really, uh, really game the system for us and help us move that along uh, because we, we do truly appreciate it. 
Well, let's jump right in now to the summer squad clear out. This had been rumored for some time, and while no sales have officially taken place, there is strong reporting to suggest that Chelsea are nearing the first sale of multiple sales across a variety of different positions from the existing roster. So the exodus that many have asked for is about to arrive, and I think we're just going to go down the list of what we know so far, and Nick will bounce them back and forth here. The first one, though, I think is one that you would want to touch on in particular. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we've all heard N'Golo Conte, um, and, and we have to be really clear when we talk about the Saudi Arabian League. It's all funded by the PIF, right? Um, and this is a fun setup that basically is the owner of all of these different Saudi bids that are coming through, and so we just have to be really clear about that, um, the the private investment fund. Um but public investment uh, fund. Public investment fund. You're right. Sorry. It, it, it's confusing because it is the world's largest sovereign wealth fund, but it is a oh. public investment fund. Yes. Yes. Um, and Golakante, we thought he was going to stay for another year or two. Obviously, that looks like it's not happening. Matt Law confirming that with me uh, last uh, Wednesday. Um, obviously, this is a massive disappointment for, you know, folks like me who have truly appreciated Ingolo Conte's talents at Chelsea. I think he is truly the best footballer I've ever seen live. And that includes Eden Hazard in that mix. Um, and was dominant when healthy at Chelsea. But I think the talks, it sounded like stalled out when he picked up his second injury of the year uh, and basically couldn't finish out the season. And I think that, you know, in, in this time, you know, if he wants to go get his money and be able to uh, impact another generation with with his wealth, um, knowing where he came from and his origin story, uh, it's hard to fault him for that. I think most Chelsea fans are leaving with nothing but positive memories and inflections based on his contribution to the club. He's a player that I will always love and whose shirt I will always uh, have as as a proud marker of his time at Chelsea and. Dan, I don't, I don't have a whole lot more to say. It's disappointing, but not entirely unpredictable, I suppose. No, when you're being offered likely generational wealth for you and your family yeah. for a transfer, the wages not necessarily commiserate with the level that Chelsea would be looking to invest for a player in Angolo Conte's injury track record as of late and age. Again, always feels terrible to talk about people who are younger than me having no time <laughs> left on their clock, at least in their sport. But that is the situation we find ourselves in where one midfielder looks re already out the door and off to their new destination. Another would be Mateo Kovacic. And we saw links very near the end of the season that Mateo Kovacic was going to be a target for Manchester City. That still looks to be on. It looks to be widely reported that the player and the club have no issue in terms of whatever the deal is going to be there, and that Chelsea are fine with the valuation on offer for the move, which looks to be around £34 million, which feels like good business given and Mateo Kovacic has been a little less available in the last season. 
and seemingly dipped a little bit in terms of his overall performance. On average, they are minor, but in some matches looked more major in terms of the performance delta from where he was maybe at his strongest at Chelsea. And so this looks like one where the move makes sense for every party at this moment, where City are looking for rotational depth in this area. I don't imagine that Mateo Kovacic is going there to be a starter in most of the 11s. And I envision that Chelsea have free up a spot. This like Gundogan walk, right? So it makes sense that they would be trying to kind of backfill that role. Um, it seems odd. It seems like a uh, an interesting move for City, but it's a good transfer fee for a player who has never been consistently healthy for Chelsea uh, in the four plus years that he's been at the club. Well, five years, I guess. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a decent move, and and I hope you know hope the best for him because you know it's like you lose Jorginho, Conte, and Kovacic in one window essentially or two windows, um, and those that was your midfield staple for the better part of that Champions League run. It feels very odd, you know. It's just a, a bit of a different kind of vibe at Chelsea right now. Very much the reset button being hit in full effect in a lot of different areas. And now the next grouping of individuals, so we'll talk about them as a group and then individually, but Edouard Mendy, Kaldu Koulibaly, Hakim Ziyech, and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, four of the names that are most heavily linked to a move into Saudi Arabia in terms of the clubs that are going after them. And Nick, this grouping in general, has, I think, a group of players outside of Mendy, who was more of a one season of incredible football and then seemingly a regression and injury level that brought him to an area where it just didn't seem like there was a future path. Koulibaly, Ziyech, and Obama Yang would be more of the came to Chelsea with a high level of expectation, did not ever situate or land appropriately, and this feels like with the money reportedly being offered, we saw Ruben Neves this morning who was uh, confirmed from Wolves to be leaving for I think in the realm of over 30 million pounds with one year left on his deal that with the money on offer that these players are likely to get, it feels very reminiscent of the China Super League. You know, it feels like forever ago, but not so recent history where these players, if an offer is made, would be finding a way to move themselves for for the dollars on offer. Yeah, I think that was 2016. Uh, so it's like seven years later in another edition. And, and look, the, the, Saudi, the Saudi PIF just has a ton of money. And so, you know, I think uh, our friend Ollie Glanville has been astute to point out that they're they're negotiating a lot of personal terms with players. Uh, they haven't uh, necessarily negotiated a whole bunch of transfer fee terms with uh, with Chelsea. Uh, the PIF hasn't. So, you know, you're you're reporting around you know the different clubs that are involved. Remember, it's all just funded by the same public investment fund. Um, but Ziyech and Aubameyang and Koulibaly and even you know Lukaku, even though there's a, a you know, point on him later, you know, if you can recoup any transfer fees for these guys, um, particularly Koulibaly with his wages, uh, you'd have to consider that a, f a financial win. Um, you know, of course, you 
you know, the money's all coming from the same spot. So however you feel about that is how you feel about that. And I, you know, I know there's a lot of thoughts about that out there in the sports world right now, but if you recover any sort of monetary value for, for some of these players, you, you'd have to feel good about it simply from an accounting perspective. And then you'd be able to, I think, make some different decisions potentially, Dan, than you were previously with the amount of money that Chelsea has obviously spent on on incomings over the last two windows. Look, I don't think people love when we get Excel nerdy from time to time with V lookups on Chelsea's books and amortization. But if you'll indulge for a moment when you think about Ziesh Aubameyang, potentially an opportunity to record a, a net zero or maybe even a minor on-book profit for the players. And again, there's the transfer value and then there's the weekly wage value. And if you're looking to reset the wages in addition to removing the transfer value of the book, all of these deals are extremely positive to have going out the door. When you think about Mendy and Klobali, they do share the same agent. And you have seen interest from uh, Al-Halal as uh, uh, al SC for Edouard Mendy in particular, with more expected this week, there is a delegation in London to negotiate with Chelsea across a multitude of different players. Al-Halal is the one Koulibaly is most linked with, but you know he has had interest from Italy as well. We have seen multiple players <laughs> connected to Inter, particularly Koulibaly and Lukaku, but that seemingly is more a negotiation in uh, how how much free would you like to give us? And Chelsea's saying, no, we don't want to give you free, but how about free 50? And it's not gone anywhere for Inter and seemingly has some knock-on effects that we'll talk about later. But out of this group, Nick, I think is there any that you feel less likely that Chelsea will be able to move on, particularly with the the offers available? Koulibaly is going to be the hardest one, right? Highest wages, I think, of that group. And we just picked him up last year. Um, it doesn't seem like there are any serious offers from Italy for him. And I could see a scenario where, um, you know, you, you negotiate one of those rare player swaps potentially with Inter. Uh, the problem is that Inter is broke. Um, so they really need charity to to make it all happen and so they're i think going to inflate you know someone like andre onana's uh valuation to try and make up and get as much back as they can uh in that way and so it looks like cool ball is gonna be the hardest one to move at, at that time you know if, if a saudi club comes in or, or another italian club comes in for him at any sort of you know valuation i think we picked him up for 30 five million pounds last year something like that anywhere near that and you can get his wages off the books then I, I think I think it's probably a move that you make and and I think the thing I'd put on him really quickly is that I I was not a massive fan of his form for most of the season but certainly at the end before he got hurt he was playing better football and I and I want to say this because I I don't I don't want it to sound like he's a bad player or a bad influence or anything like that. I just, I think if you are looking at Patty Shiel and you're looking at Colwell and Thiago Silva decides to stay, it's either him or Trev that feels like the odd man out in that group. And if you're asking me personally who I would like to keep, it would be Trev. 
that is just my take on it. So just to kind of close out the cool ball thing. There are three more names that have more substantive reporting behind them. I'll say that, but then I'll also undercut the next one that we talk about in Marco Correa <laughs> because it is the mirror as oh. much as people are wishing for something to believe. But they are reporting that Newcastle are looking for an option of a, a discount on Marco Correa to head to Newcastle and one that feels like people are trying to wish into fruition uh, rather than for it to be truly an option for the club. It is going to take, I think, a large offer to help erase the investment on Marco Correa and get close to where Chelsea are willing to move forward. I think you also could run into a situation where Poch potentially is evaluating Kukurea in preseason before making a move, looking at it in combination with Matson, with Hall, and others who can also fill in as Ben Chilwell's backup in that regard. So there's a lot that we have there. The two other big-name ones where more reporting did come out this last week on them, we'll start first with Kai Havertz, Nick. We went from Real Madrid being interested and not interested due to the price, but now we've seen Arsenal and Bayern Munich emerge as the primary suitors, which Chelsea had always been anticipating two to three clubs would be in for Kai Havertz's signature. Seemingly, there's no issue with the personal terms that Arsenal, we've seen Fabrizio and others report that as well, but there's a disconnect on fee. Seemingly, you would have most imagined there's a disconnect on fee likely from Bayern when they would decide to make their bid as well. They have not according to any reports, made a bid, but they are interested in Kai Havertz. Yeah, this is a really interesting one because I think there are, there's been a lot of reporting on Mason and we're going to talk about next, but I think these are connected <clears throat> in a way, right? Because if you can get a decent fee for Kai Havertz, it may take the pressure off of having to do the same for Mason. And I think just... From what I understand, based on the the commentary that the La Tinkerman podcast has done under the London is Blue umbrella and the CFC Central Poch special that you guys put out, I'm not sure that Kai fits what Poch wants to do. Now, that's me saying that as a an amateur and a novice, and I don't have the tactical breakdowns in front of me to look at the way that Kai Havertz runs versus what, you know, Harry Kane did or, um, or, or anything like that at, at, you know, the same point in time for, for Poch. But it, it would seem like this is something that's been on the cards for a little bit, especially with Bayern interest. I think they wanted him the summer that we got him and we got him because we were willing to pay, above the the market rate to go grab him at a, at a time. And I, if, if people are or different clubs are interested, I mean, I would much rather sell them to Bayern than Arsenal. Let's just be very clear about that. And I don't think that Arsenal will ever be able to match Bayern if they really want him. So let's hope that Bayern and Tuchel come in with a legitimate bid. And that's that. To me, it's going to be interesting to see if Byron can force a better bid from Arsenal because I feel like in a situation where the player's preference is something that might be a consideration within getting the personal terms to work. Again, Byron are probably the one team in the Bundesliga that will pay the wage or a wage that is comparable that a player might like in this scenario. 
the terms of the deal, how much money Chelsea can get up front versus tied to bonuses and that structure is going to be very important. And we've seen Arsenal having some focuses on other areas of the pitch. So it doesn't feel like Kai Havertz is their priority player for them. They would like him, but he's not a priority when they are looking at massive upgrades to midfield, particularly Declan Rice, rumored to be in the north of 90 million pound range at this point, with City also very interested in the player as well. And the last one we'll talk about, Mason Mount. We did see the 40 million pound intro bid from Manchester United testing the waters, testing the resolve, was demissed out of hand with the club's Chelsea's valuation reported to be above 70 million pounds. United are expected to come back with an improved offer to test Chelsea. And this is going to be a saga, I think, throughout the next five weeks or so, particularly as Chelsea get ready to go on summer tour Chelsea have not had Poch in the building yet. His time starts on July 1st, so we are at least two weeks away from him getting in to assess with players and to maybe speak with them on a more regular basis. He's getting a nice tan, though, Dan. He's getting a tan, so he's going to look good coming back, and it's nice, you know? (laughs) It it does feel as if there might be a number that at which point Chelsea would say it's too good for us to pass up. I think there is still a belief that Maybe something magical could happen once Potch gets into the building, but it does feel as if that this is now a game of when Chelsea sell and not if Chelsea sell, personally. Yeah, after I recorded with Matt, of course, the news broke that the United had submitted a bid um, for, for Mason Mount. And, um, Look, I don't have to keep preaching this. I think it's absolutely a ridiculous choice by the club. And if Todd Bully were standing in front of me or on this podcast, I would say that right to his face as well. I think it's a, a really, really bad um, bit of business for the club to do. And I would much rather him stay and, and be a, a captain and leader on this team moving forward. Um, 40 million pounds is a ridiculous opening gambit, even if even if the foregone conclusion is indeed foregone. So... Um, it'll be interesting to see, I think with all of these rumors and it's kind of the end of rumor time on the outgoings here, but it'll be interesting which domino falls first. If you get 34 million pounds from city for Kovacic, if you get any money for Mendy Koulibaly, Zia, Shobamiang, or any of the other links, if you figure out something to do with Lukaku and are able to get something in return, like a goalkeeper, uh, if you're able to do anything with Kukurea, if you're able to do anything with Havertz, there's a fair amount of money in in those things before you get to Mason Mount that may change the substantive view of the team. So if it does indeed, if the dominoes do indeed fall, kind of like I just rattled them off, although I don't expect them to by any means, um, uh, it may change the calculus a little bit. You don't know, right? And so... Be very clear, of course, Chelsea have a limited window in which to, if they do choose to sell Mason Mount, to sell him. But it doesn't have to be by June 30th. It could be at any point, And that calculus may change the longer that it goes. So that is my, that's kind of my last gambit on that. Well, we're going to wrap on this segment because there have been links with players like Conor Gallagher, 
Cassidy after very impressive U20 uh, World Cup that he was involved in as the Golden Boot winner there. But they're less concrete at this moment, and we want to make sure that, as always, we are trying to take the rumors and pull them together with the most concrete sources when we talk about it here on London is Blue Podcast. So we're going to take a very quick break from our sponsors who help us support the show as well, and we will be right back. Take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. That means if you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us that they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. And if you're anything like me, you break sunglasses a lot, so this is helpful. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence. They have your back long after you make your purchase. Together with their customers, Shady Rays is providing much needed support to nonprofit partners across the U.S. through Shady Rays Impact. From building playsets for pediatric cancer patients to providing young adults with MS, the outdoor adventure of a lifetime, Shady Rays is making an impact in your community and others like it now and for years to come. If you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back. Shady Rays Memorial Day sale is live right now. Go to ShadyRays.com and get 35% off all sunglasses. Try for yourself. The Shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. That's right. Go to ShadyRays.com. Hi, Nick. We're going to talk about some of the incoming considerations that Chelsea have. But before that, we want to talk about one other great way that people can support the podcast. Also, have a little fun as well if they're here in the U.S. and in a number of cities where we will be and Chelsea will be at this summer. Yeah, event brights are coming out soon. Dan and I have that earmarked to do right after we record this podcast. Um, so, so look out for those. But we are doing live shows in each of the four stops that we will be at, uh, much like we did last summer if you were on tour in Vegas, Charlotte, or Orlando. We will be doing a live show in Raleigh-Durham uh, at, uh, at the RDU Blues Pub. Uh, that's where the gathering point will be on uh, the Tuesday uh, July 18th. Uh, I believe that date is right. That Nick is correct. Yes, his, it is. The right we fly date? out yes. on the 17th. So the 18th is yes. correct. Got it. Uh, and I think that'll be around three 30 or four. We're still confirming time on that because of the open training situation that Chelsea's put out for, for that evening. Uh, we will be in Philly. That's right. Doing a live show, uh, that Friday night, uh, which I believe is the 21st. Um, at 7 p.m. in the evening, so a little bit of a late show for, for the boys. Uh, and look, I've heard the Philly Blues are absolutely going to pack that thing out based on my my conversations uh, with their with their board leadership. So there's a a really fun event happening there. Atlanta on 7:25, uh, we will be doing a show in the evening uh, at the uh, Atlanta Blues Pub. In, uh, in Buckhead, I believe it's the Fado in Buckhead. And then in D.C. on the Saturday, uh, the 29th, uh, we will be doing a uh, live show in the afternoon. Um, so I think like three-ish in the afternoon on Saturday in D.C. 
Uh, we're going to get special guests in for all of these. Uh, we, you, if you're in Raleigh, you may get a chance to see our, our boy CFC Central, who's going to be stopping by. No, don't blow uh, up so, a spot like that. He wants to remain on the radar. I've already I've already ordered a TV so we could do tactical breakdowns for an hour while we uh, while we drink beers. Um, but look, uh, we are super fucking excited for this, guys. If you can do us a favor and, and register for the Eventbrite, it's a, it's a no cost registration. We're not trying to like blow up anyone's spot here or anything like that. But if you can do that for us and just give us a sense of how many folks we should expect to be there, that would be fantastic. Uh, especially as a person who is orchestrating a lot of this uh, summer tour stuff. So um, really excited about that. Thank you to all of the clubs, the RDU Blues, the Philly Blues, the Atlanta Blues, and the Beltway Blues for being so hospitable and accommodating. Uh, we're really excited to partner with them and uh, looking forward to a bunch of fun, Dan. It's going to be awesome. Well, that's a great thing to look forward to, particularly in a moment where there hasn't been a lot of noise on players coming into Chelsea. We did just talk about a mass exodus of players who Chelsea are looking to move on. We knew this was going to be the summer of upheaval, the summer of ex exits, but now we are seeing some news start to make its way out on players that Chelsea are interested on in bringing into the club. You know, with the amount of players that we're talking about leaving eight, nine, ten plus, you're going to have to bring some players in to replace those individuals. We've seen a lot of that information reported by Matt Law and Nazar Kinsella over the last couple of weeks. We talked about them on this very show with Chelsea's focus continuing to be upgrading the midfield finding a forward, and also improving with a goalkeeper. I will say we have seen less news about those individuals, about incomings, than we have previously. And I will just say personally, to me, that is a very good thing that Chelsea mm -hmm. are not leaking at this moment, where it is the proverbial bag of plastic that you just keep on poking holes through. And uh, finally, we t it's the, the gif where the guy whacks it on the, uh, the the leak coming out to stop it. Like, I feel like Chelsea have finally whacked the holes on the leaks and are starting to reduce the amount of briefing and spilling of information. It feels like the information that is coming out is more so coming from individuals at other clubs or player agents and not from Chelsea in particular. And that... In all of the issues and problems that we've kind of delved into over the last few episodes that Chelsea have had recently, Nick, that to me is a very plus positive that Chelsea are trying to find ways to do their business more discreetly to give them as much of an advantage as possible on players that other clubs might not be as interested in to move swiftly and then also to get things done without the noise of other clubs jumping in because Chelsea is interested trying to either drive up the price or to create a market where there was none previously. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, I think, you know, there was a time under the previous ownership where you had no earthly idea what was happening. And uh, and then deals would just pop up, you know, right at the last second. You'd get a late briefing to some journalists and then it would be done and then you'd move on. And uh, yeah, somewhere in the middle between those two things would be would be great uh, from the extra leaking to the to the no leaks at all uh, would be great. But there have been a couple you know that that we you know, a couple that we've known about, and then uh, and maybe one that kind of surprised us uh, via our friend Nazar Kinsella last week. Dan, do you want to you want to rattle off a couple of names potentially? Yeah. So the names are Moises Caicedo, Nicholas Jackson, and then from a goalkeeper perspective, we we 
kind of know that it's more cold water being thrown on this situation uh, with Anana and uh, Magnon, who are not maybe considerations at the moment. But with Kaiseido in particular, we know now that there was a in initial bid rejected about two weeks ago. We don't expect this, knowing the negotiations and the way that they have gone with Brighton over the last year, that they will be fast or that they necessarily will be easy negotiations. Chelsea have players that Brighton want, like Levi Colwell, that Chelsea do not want to sell. We know that they have received at least one, if not two bids for Colwell flat out in the range of 20 to 40 million pounds. And we don't want to go down that direction. We want Levi Cole to be back at Chelsea to renew, mm-hmm. to be a part of the first team squad. And so it seemingly would lead you to believe that Chelsea are going to be in a position where you might have gotten some leniency on the price of the negotiation if you gave Brighton a little bit of favor in return, where this is going to be now more of a cash-heavy situation to get the deal done for a player who has skyrocketed value has skyrocketed in terms of the quality of his performances to really be in the Premier League, one of the two top talents looking for a move from his current club to another club with individuals like Arsenal and others who've been linked with the player and seemingly a handshake agreement in January where he extended to give himself an opportunity to earn more, give Brighton the opportunity to get into European football, mission achieved, that now there's an opportunity for him to leave, uh, much like McAllister uh, did recently heading over to Liverpool. And so it it feels as if this is a deal, Nick, that can be done as long as Chelsea are willing to pay and that Chelsea have to find a way to do that now without being maybe the the butt of the joke of Brighton transfer dealings. (laughs) Yeah, it's... it's, uh... No, no loans, no sales of our players back. We've already given you enough fucking money for for the entire uh, existence of your club to be funded. Um, so yeah, it has to be a cash deal. It has to be Moises Caicedo coming to Chelsea. Arsenal were in for him. I think reports are that Arsenal are kind of no longer interested, um, and they have their own transfer problems uh, that that we won't talk about. But yeah, if Chelsea can get this done. It would be a good thing, right? It's, of course, an inflated price because it was always going to be. It was going to be inflated last January, and he only got better throughout the season, as, uh, as CFC Central uh, alluded to in the uh, in the midfield pod that you guys did. But I think the the prospect of him and uh, Enzo means that a four two three one is far more likely as a formation than any sort of like four, three, three necessarily. And so that, that is an interesting scenario because I don't, based on Sam scouting and, and a lot of others who have done good work on this, he's more of a six, right? He's more of a cover all. He might be the closest thing to N'Golo Conte that, that exists out there with knowing that N'Golo Conte is, you know, the toppest top, top, top tier of everything that, that N'Golo Conte does. But you know, I think I think it would be a good move. I'd be very pleased about the move personally. I think it would be it would signal that Chelsea are not fucking around trying to rebuild the midfield. And to me, uh, you know, again, it's a lot of money, but you cannot go through another season with gaps in midfield like we've had. You know, you just can't do it. 
Another one that was the more surprising name that we saw was Nicholas Jackson. He's the Villarreal forward who mm-hmm. became a household name for Chelsea supporters overnight as people flooded videos on YouTube with compilations, as always, with the worst royalty-free music available on the internet in their highlight packages. The player has a 35 million euro release clause, scored 12 goals, um, registered four assists across 26 total starts in La Liga last season. The majority of that coming in the second half of the season when he emerged on the scene, uh, particularly, I think, when uh, our good friend uh, Dimitri, who does the Raiders from a Glockbot, put a radar of Evan Ferguson's performance, a player that United, it feels like United eventually buy or another club eventually buys. And someone like Jackson would be the player you feel like Brighton would buy as a replacement, knowing that they've scouted this individual already and he fits and checks the criteria of a player that they're looking for. Nick, this feels like the other way of trying to build a front line where instead of getting the overpay that Chelsea are trying to be a little more smart and a little bit more diligent on finding someone that they can work with to really elevate to the next level, which if you're getting a coach like Pochettino sounds like a great idea. We see what he has done for players like Human Sung and others where they became even better under his coaching, Deli Alley and other, and could truly transform as they were uh, midfielders or attackers. This seems to be in that mold of signing. Yeah, I, I don't know what to think about it yet, to be honest with you. I, I'm not necessarily opposed to spending less on a striker, given our recent history of spending lots on strikers and performance not necessarily being there. So I'm I'm kind of caught between a, a couple of thoughts here. I think first, we need a goal scorer. We need someone to score goals. We need someone who can get 20 goals a season to, if we want to get anywhere close to the Champions League spots you know, in the next year or two. I think that's just a fact. I mean, Chelsea were so woeful in front of goal last year that it's just impossible to think about us advancing from where we are without 30, 40 more goals in a season um, than than the 38 that we got <laughs> uh, last year. So, I mean, just let's just be brutally honest about where we are from a goal scoring. So I'm not hypothetically opposed to this. I guess my question to anyone who's doing the scouting is, yes, the player radars look good. Yes, the return at the second half of the season looked good. But he was injured in the January window and so was not signed by Brighton, uh, if if, uh, the reporting is accurate. And so are you bringing in another injury-prone player or is that a one-off? Are you bringing in a guy who can deal with the physicality of the Premier League and everything that needs to happen to be a, a starting uh, striker in the league, I don't know, right? He's, he's still a young player, uh, and, and that can be both good and bad, especially when you're dealing with the pressure of wearing that uh, either, you know, that n- number nine shirt or whatever at Chelsea and, and the curse that comes with it. I hope whichever forwards are signed, they avoid the nine shirt like the plague. Uh, but I, I think to me, Dan, those are the risks in this. I know that Matt was not a huge fan of, of the signing, the potential of the signing, Um so I, I'm, I'm kind of caught between what I think is logical and reasonable and the need that we have for a, a prime time goal scorer to help us advance to the next phase of Chelsea Football Club. Yeah, you still have a bunch of young, talented, but 
fully unproven in the Premier League attackers in Chelsea's roster with Matueke, Mudrik as a part of this coalition, Armando Abroya getting back to full fitness, looking to be someone that the club really evaluate during the preseason span. And it doesn't necessarily preclude you, though, from bringing in another forward. You do have Nkunku coming, as, Nkunku coming in as well. That's another individual who's going to be adding to that attack. And so you're, you are starting to see the semblance of a plan. But how that all comes together still remains to be seen. The last part, Nick, is the sliding doors and maybe the sliding doors that are shutting closed on a goalkeeper upgrade or a top goalkeeper upgrade in this window with Chelsea being either priced out or told no when looking at some of the players available. Yeah, I mean, this is this feels very cat and mouse to me, to be honest with you. I think Inter think they have a bunch of leverage on Onana and want basically our players on loan fees um, so that they can remain solvent. Um, you know, Mike Mannion is, a, is another one that, you know, obviously I think was upset with the departure of some of the footballing infrastructure at AC Milan, and including Maldini, um, who, you know, would, would potentially be looking they're going to be harder deals to do because working with Italian clubs historically for Chelsea has not been very easy. Uh, we've already been fleeced by Inter Milan. That That is where we are. So this just feels like it will go late, late, late in the, in the window if it goes at all to me. Well, that rounds out some of the incoming updates. And we shift our attention to news that came out very late on Friday with a individual Twitter source that no one had necessarily heard of reporting at first. And then Matt Law jumped in to provide some additional vetting of the news, which was much, I think, to the dismay of many Chelsea supporters that Stake.com, an Australian uh, Kurokawan cryptocurrency company and sports betting website, was going to be the premier kit sponsor for Chelsea for the 2023-2024 Premier League campaign. We're not in Europe, so I guess they don't have to worry about being in Europe this season. company was founded by Ed Craven, a super billionaire bad guy villain name from a movie, and Bijan uh, Tarani, of which the former seems linked to the digital pursuits like Kick.com, which has been in the news recently for some of their uh, their investments in both uh, signing players to LeBron James-style streaming deals. This comes after the Premier League announced 66 days ago as of time of recording on April 13th, 2023, that the clubs, quote, collectively agree to withdraw gambling sponsorships from the front of the club's matchday shirts, becoming the fourth sports league in the UK to take such a measure voluntarily in order to reduce gambling advertising, unquote. And the statement, Nick, further followed to assist clubs with their transition away from shirt front gambling sponsorship. The collective agreement will begin at the end of the 2025-2026 season. So just maybe the reaction that you've had to this news, uh, particularly as Chelsea have done things like mental health campaigns. We've had former players come out talking about their gambling addictions and Gerd Hansen mentioning how terrible it was for them. 
thoughts, feelings, opinions. Yeah, I, I think this is a dumb idea. Um, one, the club's already agreed to take action against it. So to sign one before the year before it's going to go out seems very shitty um, as a as a principle if you're already in the mix. Um, second of all, th- this is a thing where um, culture matters a lot. Right. Gambling has been legal in, in the UK for years and years and years and years. Gambling is not legal nationally in the US. And there are only certain states that have made it legal recently. Like very recently, there was a huge crackdown on gambling um, in, in the United States uh, previously. So I don't know all of the nuances of, of British culture and history, but from the stories that we're seeing on online and on Twitter and for those who have come forward and talked about their own gambling addiction or how gambling has ruined, you know, the finances of their families or whatever, it seems like it's a much harsher um, type of subject uh, to, to breach in the UK. And again, that's that's me not living there and having the full context as to how that would be. But it, on the surface, it seems like a very poor move and it seems desperate um, because it's clear that you know there there aren't a bunch of sponsors competing necessarily for Chelsea's front of shirt without the Champions League there um, for for the next season at minimum. So I don't know. To me, this is uh, this would signal a lot of bad behind uh, behind the house dealings for me. So in terms of the maximizing the valuation of the club's main billboard versus taking a below mark market sponsorship. In that context, the Chelsea Supporters Trust did run a stat poll within hours of the news being reported by Matt and others. And to what you just talked about, Nick, I don't think any of the results come as a surprise. Of the 3,297 supporters who, Supporters Trust members who responded, 77% either disagree or strongly disagree with the use of an online casino or gambling company on the front of the shirt. 8% either agreed or strongly agreed, and 14% were neutral and had no feeling one way or the other. And that led to the headline statement of a three-page letter that they sent to the club after conducting the poll on Sunday, saying the Chelsea Supporters Trust does not believe that it is in the best interest of our members for Chelsea Football Club to associate with an online casino and betting company as the primary shirt sponsor. Full stop. It feels very much, and again, there's a cultural difference from U.S. to U.K. that you articulated. I think much like any other vice, there are people who have a different spectrum of belief around it. Alcohol would be another category where some people or through their individual choices or religious you know, religious affiliation, do not believe in alcohol consumption and would not like the fact that the club is affiliated with an alcohol sponsor. We've talked before that like the Coors kits previously or some of our favorite kits in the past, there are people who don't believe that should be allowed as a sponsor. Yep. And so there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of feeling. There's a lot of personal tragedy sometimes associated with these feelings, to me, it is a optically 
poor decision given the coming future of not being able to accept these deals, the desire to try to get a offer that is in line with what you think the commercial viability of the shirt is, which we read early reports at somewhere in the 40 million pounds per year range, and to try to make up what is going to be a short-term cash fall by not being in Europe next season. Now, I also think on the other side, there is a world in which taking on a sponsor like this does long-term reputational damage to the club, where now anybody knows that they can get on the shirt in the current situation at Chelsea. And now look, we know that also a new ownership came in in May of last year. It's been just over a year. We've seen transition in the front office uh, just recently as weeks ago with a new CEO being appointed into Chelsea. And so that instability has likely led to some of this as well. Chelsea falling out of Europe is another thing that has likely impacted who is available to come in and be that front shirt sponsor. But it feels as if there's other news that's coming out at the same time. Mike Keegan of the Daily Mail with an exclusive saying that the Premier League actually denied a shirt sponsor that Chelsea put forward before stake. Now, again, some of this may be briefing by the club about see what you made us do. (laughs) See what you made me do. In Paramount Plus, due to potentially breaching rules and kind of causing conflict with existing sponsors. And Nick, it feels to me that this is a whole mess of problems, both from the Premier League not allowing certain shirt sponsors, but then would potentially being okay with a stake.com sponsorship because of the the terms of that agreement. Paramount Plus not being allowed, yet likely being a much better option. And in a, a sponsor I would be super happy with. They've done some great stuff yeah. with uh, a couple of shows uh, that I like. So I'd be happy with that one. They employ friends of the podcast uh, and Jenny Chu and others who've done great work there as well. So I this is this is just a mess. It's just a mess. It's the way we kind of try, should end or kind of get to an end point on this conversation. And our boy Adi is, is there as well. Um, look, it's it's fucking disaster. If, if that is true. And it's I assume that it's because there's a conflict between media rights and media rights holders and, you know, all that sort of stuff. I, this just looks so bad on on the surface. Right. To to deny a media company, but accept a gambling company when you've already agreed that you're going to uh, basically disembark the gambling sponsorship sh- sponsorship train uh, in, in a year. I also just for those who don't know what Paramount Plus is, um, it's it's the U.S. equivalent. It's a CBS's streaming service in the U.S. and they host that uh, they're the uh, the the uh, network for uh, uh, Champions League coverage in the U.S. and they do a really good job with that. Kate Abdo, Thierry Henry, Micah Richards, Jamie Kerger, um, and a bunch of others that that are a part of that show. They do a phenomenal job with coverage. And then they also do FAWSL um, coverage for, for the women's team. And so it would be a really cool sponsor. Most recently, Paramount Plus has sponsored Inter Milan's shirts. Um, they didn't have a sponsor for the better part of the year. And then, you know, they, they got on board there. So 
it's clearly something that Paramount Plus is trying to do um, as a as an awareness builder. But yeah, if true, this looks horrible, and it could be that you're you're right, Dan. It's like trying to take some heat off of the Chelsea uh, management by saying we tried to do a better thing and you wouldn't let us. But look what in you any made event, me do. <laughs> Yeah, in any event, uh, both things are incredibly poor. I hope that Chelsea do not sign with stake. Personally, I think that would be a, a bad move and not at all worth the reputational risk that would come with it um, and that the Premier League figures out a way to get better sponsors and club ownership into the league because it's clear they're falling down. Yeah, Chelsea are seemingly in a situation where they could press forward with the stake.com under the current terms, even though they would face backlash from some supporters, but get the valuation they're looking for. They seemingly have the option of potentially offering the shirt front-facing and a discount to a sponsor. There are sponsors like Travago that many people have been happy with, with the way that they uh, stood by Chelsea over the past couple of years and were kind of a consistent partner. It was reported that Allianz was in for about half of the valuation, um, you know, for those who had already had Allianz and their mocked up kits for next year. Um, you know, so that that is an option, obviously. Um, but, you know, it's obviously not going to get the valuation that they want or that they desire. Or is there an option for a charity or something of that nature where some legal slash accounting combination of work could make the case that there is a, an ability to write off the, you know, the amount donated effectively by the exposure of the shirt. I'll leave that for the lawyers and the accountants to try to figure out because uh, they have specialized training and hopefully a better case to make. But we have one last ad break here. We still have tons of a pack pod left for you talking about the opening Premier League fixtures and answering a couple of listener questions. Thank you so much again for your support. And we'll be right back to close this one out. Bird dogs make you look good. That's right, bird dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restrictive cotton. Bird dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So look, I've got a pair. Dan's got a pair. Nick's got a pair. We actually love them. But not only do you get bird dogs right now, if you buy you get a free tumbler. That's right. You get a free Yeti tumbler. All you have to do is go to birddogs.com forward slash pool, P-O-O-L. Enter the promo code P-O-O-L for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com forward slash pool for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. All right, Nick. So in the middle of last week, you may have missed it, but the Premier League did release the fixtures for the 2023-2024 campaign where Pochettino is going to look to help Chelsea rebound after a disappointing season. Chelsea's first six fixtures are Liverpool home, West Ham away, Luton at home, Nottingham Forest at home, Bournemouth away, and Aston Villa at home. So just in that initial run of six fixtures, how are you feeling about Chelsea's opportunity to start the season a little stronger in this moment in time, as of June 18th, 2023, when we're recording the snap opinion before any preseason minutes have been seen and any players have been brought in to reinforce the side. Um, no fucking clue uh, what the team Great is going to look like 
what the what the players are going to be you know doing after an extensive U.S. Uh, preseason. I have no clue. Uh, I do think that the fixtures present an opportunity for the club to get off to a stronger start. You know, I think especially when you look at Luton and Forest and Bournemouth in there and, you know, knowing that West Ham away is always tough for us, no matter how the form of any of either team is at that point in time. And then, yeah, Liverpool home Villa home are two opportunities to get some points on rivals for that, for that top six. Right. And so I, I think, I think it does present an opportunity for Pochettino. I also think it presents an opportunity to establish Fortress Stanford Bridge again um, and for Chelsea to have good home form for the first time in what feels like years since Antonio Conte was here. So um, I, I look at I look at all of that as an opportunity more than anything, but I have no fucking clue about how Chelsea are going to play. It, it's it's a complete wild card shit show. Yeah, you do maybe appreciate that you swerved a early visit with Man City, potentially a Spurs game, which is going to be very emotionally charged for them, seeing Pochettino on Chelsea's sideline, depending on particularly who is still left there from his reign, who creates a little bit of extra friction, and that's a game those players are going to get up for anyway, but that adds a little extra there. Uh, You're not really seeing many of the other London derbies until the end of September when Fulham take on Chelsea, uh, Chelsea are away to Fulham on the 30th of September. And then late into October, you start to see Chelsea Arsenal, Chelsea Brentford, the 4th of uh, of November, Spurs, uh, Chelsea away. So you should have that kind of run right there where Chelsea don't even have to leave London to run their run of games effectively in that piece. So the end of the season, kind of flipping the side, if Chelsea are doing extremely well, could be I think, very favorable. We saw this run in at the end of this last season was not very kind. And you have Chelsea Bournemouth as the final fixture of the season, a treat for everyone. Nottingham Forest to uh, uh, Chelsea away to Nottingham could you, Forest. Could you say that it's the cherry on top, Dan? Yes, it is. Boom! But the sprinkles are Chelsea being away to Nottingham Forest, the preceding game, and then Chelsea going or having West Ham at Stamford Bridge on the 4th of May. Again, all those dates are subject to change just with any type of FA Cup or other activities that lead into it. Uh, We'll have less disruptions to our schedule. We are more likely to be impacted by other teams having European football and fixtures being moved around. But it feels as if this... On paper, it's hard to prognosticate how it's more of like a gut feel of the schedule. And it just feels like at least intro and outro of the season, particularly with a couple of those limited weeks where Chelsea have London teams back to back to back, feel kind of nice. So I would say generally I felt good about the schedule. Yeah, I mean, our our friend Louis Beneventi did a little uh, bit on his Instagram about the November stretch which is not kind. Uh, November is going to be tough. It always is for us. feels like November is kind of the, the stumbling block. If you get through that, then, then Chelsea feels good about their season. If you don't, then, you know, consequences are, are there. But, uh, yeah, I think the middle of the season is going to be tough. Um, it was always going to be. This is going to be a tough season for the team anyway. But, you know, if you can get through it with any sort of, like, good positioning, then I think you have a chance to pick up points at the end. 
Well, Nick, with the conversation about fixtures done and dusted, we do want to take some time to answer listener questions. These all come from our Discord community. We talked about it at the top of the show, but patreon.com forward slash Luna is blue has our exclusive Discord community that's having conversations, not just about Chelsea, but a host of other things. These were a few of their questions that we got that we want to end the show with here. We had Kampai to that with, with two questions. One, maybe more general, just asking how much your alcohol bill increased this year compared to what it was at last year this time, maybe influenced, I think, the question by Chelsea's form over the season. But uh, that was question one. And then the question two about more substantive about the club and where it's at is, would you be in favor of a decent length rebuild, two to three seasons, and buying younger prospects at a lower cost or going for splasher players and trying to win now and maybe have to buy more players down the line? Um, yeah, I, I think like you, the alcohol consideration is uh, it's fun to joke about, but we don't. I mean, because the games are on in the morning here, it's not like a, it's not like in the UK where it's like you go out for some beers and you go out for some either happy or sad beers after. Um, so it didn't really get influenced. It was just a lot more sad naps, I think, than uh, than anything. I, I I think in terms of question two, I think the owners have a pressure to win now. Um, and I say that because of how bad last year was. I think if we would have finished sixth or seventh instead of twelfth, that calculus might have changed a little bit. But they their runway to get Chelsea supporters, I think, back on side is shorter now. Um, and there has to be a real sense of of planning uh, and execution. So I I think. If you can afford it and you can afford to get back into the Champions League with splashier types of, of incomings, then you, you've got to do that. Um, and it's not a mutually exclusive thing, right? We've seen some of our younger, uh, less touted players be some of our best players in the past. And whatever, price tag doesn't deliver results always. Look at Lukaku, right? But... If if you if if you're giving me the choice, I'm going full in, and I'm trying to get back to the Champions League and trying to get back to to European greatness sooner. Personally, yeah. For number one, I would actually say that I have found myself just maybe as a desire to do things differently, drinking less personally, but tending to drink uh, maybe higher quality when uh, maybe more spirits when I'm uh, imbibing versus uh, beers. Hey, Michelin star, chill out, huh? Yeah, you know, it's a, a nice cocktail is, is really hard to to compete against uh, in, in my mind. I uh, don't necessarily feel as bloated afterwards. Uh, and then I, I I agree with what you're saying that there's going to be pressure. I do like a, a sustainable approach in team building and whether that's in professional work or in sports that usually tends to prove with some level of success. But it's going to be how tolerant the board and supporters are with that. And I do think to your point, pressure is going to be extremely high on both sides to show a step level change in terms of where Chelsea were this season to where they are next season. I think the floor has to be Europa league. I think the goal should be returning to the champions league and a very strong run in either the league or FA Cup. Um, 
if not into a final, uh, would be a very, very uh, good return um, from where Chelsea were. This is a long road to getting back to where we were. I don't think there's yeah. an illusion that Chelsea can just snap their fingers and get to a better place, but we find ourselves there. The Thickening had a question saying they're really struggling with the news of Mason Mount heading to United. For a reason, I couldn't care less about Kai going to Arsenal. Am I the only one? Is there something wrong with me? What kind of syndrome am I suffering from? I don't know if there's a syndrome for it. I do think that there is an attachment to players who have been at Chelsea a long time that Mason has maybe versus someone like Kai, who also did not feature as much as Mason had over outside of this season where Mason had basically been the most consistent or one of the most consistent players outside of goalkeepers. I just think we're at a point where there's more reporting about the Will they, won't they? There was a vibe that something was going to get done, and now it gets taken away. And because of the failings, we're in a situation now where we're having to deal with the aftermath, and the decision feels tough. I, I just think that's how it is. And uh, again, you, you can't hate someone for wanting to go make the best of their career and find the best opportunity for them. And you can't get mad you can get a little mad when uh, negotiations don't go your way because not every negotiation is going to net out with the, an, inc- an outcome that favors everybody. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a lot of things. One, it's, it's Mason's tenure. It's the effort that he gives. It's the fact that his trajectory seemed to be going only one direction, just like Reese James's was. And the fact that, you know, the club made it a point when they signed up to say, we got to get these two deals done. And, and so I think a bunch of people feel lied to um, as a part of that. And, of course, you know you can't predict the future, but you can put out terms that a player will agree to and, and do it in good faith. And so, um, yeah, it's I think that's that might be why more people are frustrated about the Mount situation. Um, and I think also just when he's played, his return has been better, frankly. Uh, and so, you know, that's, that's maybe the other reason. But... Yeah, it's it's just uh, it's unfortunate on on both that both haven't uh, kind of netted where we where we thought they would be after the Champions League win. It's Sachet asking the question: What to do with Lukaku? Is he the second Belgian? Uh, he said snake, but maybe we just say uh, turncoat or um, after Courtois. And Nick, I just think you have to find the best path out. And unfortunately, the way that this is not the same as maybe some American sports where it's a little bit easier in some, not all, but in some to move off of a player that you don't want anymore. The contracts in football and also in Europe are different and give the player a lot of power in their ability to reject deals and to try to guide the situation. But to me, it's trying to find an exit strategy that everybody feels good with. And those exit strategies are right now a Saudi Arabia club who's going to probably pay at or near a value where Chelsea can not necessarily be made whole, but at least be made to suffer less in the financial situation that they find themselves in. You have going back to Inter, but then you would need more concessions on the player side to help force that, similar to what Lukaku did initially to help Chelsea get him over the line last season. Uh, or you 
have him as a part of the first team squad, but he is never part of the first team squad to try to get him to go with option A or option B. It's pretty easy to me. Um, now it's not my money, right? So I say that with with all the backup here. But either he goes where his heart is, which is Inter, and convinces them to buy him back, purchase him outright, no loan. He sits on the bench or with the under-23s at Chelsea if he doesn't want to be there. Can't have him be a part of the first-team atmosphere again. That was tragic, and it was a huge mistake that we didn't get you know, rid of him earlier than, than we did after that interview. Or he goes somewhere else that values him at any sort of you know purchase level. I cannot be more clear that I hope that he is not in a blue shirt next year. He has been petulant. not a Chelsea blue shirt. You mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. The 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 blue and black of of of, of Inter is fine, but only if they pony up the money. I mean, like that has to be the case. Like, and and it has to be that Chelsea are doing diligence in the future to avoid these sorts of situations. It is just so much money to invest in a person who, if they don't want to be there and they're a bad influence on the locker room, uh, is just not, it's just not worth it. Right. It's not worth bringing them into the club at that point, no matter how tantalizing the prospect. So my, uh, my, my, my broader point on this is like, he doesn't have any power here (laughs) and where he goes, Chelsea do. Interdue if they choose to buy him. A Saudi club would if they choose to buy him. But his position and where he wants to play football has nothing to do with the contract that he signed to make a bunch of money from Chelsea Football Club. The end. Skippy27 asked the question of, do we have a player who might get into double-digit figures for goals in the league next season? And who is our penalty taker if Kai and Mason go? I think the answer is pretty easy. I think it's Nkunku for both. If he comes into the club, I would imagine he becomes the de facto. I'm going to get you double goals and uh, you know, and probably get you assists in addition to that. And that I would also be as the primary goal scorer, the the penalty taker. That's my guess. Okay, I'm going to give you two other names. Um, I think there is a chance that Armando Broya is an absolute star underneath. Uh, Mauricio Pochettino and given the amount of games that Kai Havertz was given last year, I think would produce more as a striker. Uh, he's a little bit more of a, a poacher uh, type than, than maybe Kai is, but he has good hold of play. He's quick as hell. And we saw in very small glimpses at Southampton at Chelsea that, um, that he can do that job. I think that Enzo Fernandez will be the penalty taker at Chelsea moving forward. I think that's the sort of responsibility that you would bestow upon a player of his valuation. And uh, a sneaky one uh, would be Reese James. Interesting. All fun names. Uh, please let us know when you hear this podcast who you think is going to be the top goal scorer for Chelsea next season. Maybe who you think is going to be the penalty taker as well. Some interesting names thrown out by Nick. And then the final question from Canyon, asking what players are you most excited to see or hope to see in preseason? Nick, I think about it in this way. 
there's a benefit to preseason to maybe seeing how ready the team are in terms of performance, mm-hmm. fitness. I think about being sidelined and seeing as an and Hazard run sprints, uh, sprints to get very fit heading into that season under Antonio Conte. And I've also just enjoyed getting to see first-time players who maybe I haven't had a chance to see in person and only have had a chance to watch them over film or on broadcast. I think the two that come to mind for me, Andre Santos would be one, and Christopher Nkunku mm-hmm. would be the other, are the two that I would say I'm most excited for, particularly as we look at additional midfield depth and uh, someone who can score goals at a pace for Chelsea. That's where my I'm leaning at this moment, but I'm sure that there are going to be others that you're very interested to see in preseason. I think maybe another one, just one more off the cuff, would be Lewis Hall. I'd like to see him, uh, particularly potentially as a midfielder in preseason. I'd be very interested to see that under Pochettino. Yeah, I'll go different from you. Uh, any striker, anyone at all, it would be who I would want to see. I want to see Malo Gusto um, mm. in preseason. And I would love to see Ian Matson in preseason. I would love to see kind of what, you know, the profile of those players look like if they're, uh, if they are brought in. Um, uh, additionally, you know, it will be fascinating to see if, if, you know, if Colwell is part of the preseason group, um, my hope and expectation is that he, uh, would fill that void, um, and, and will be there. So, uh, all of those players, I am very excited to see and, and, you know, the forward option being the most critical. And that that's also a reminder, we will be putting event brights out for the activities on summer tour. We will be in Raleigh, Durham for the match against Wrexham. We'll be in Philly, Atlanta, and DC. Fortunately, work means that we cannot make it to Chicago as well. So four out of five, we are going to try to meet as many of you as possible. Please let us know if you're coming. Please come out to these events if you're going to be there. We are looking forward to meeting so many of you on this summer tour. And we can't thank you again enough. One is with podcasts. Very, very much supported by you, the listener. And we are looking forward for that relationship from listener to podcast host to be more of friends enjoying a drink at the pub during this summer, Nick. It's going to be a really, really good time. Come out. We hope to have a bunch of fun and and be a, a value add to the other events that are happening around us. We know that you know, each individual location has done an incredible job of organizing their own uh, events. And so we just hope to, to be a part of it. Uh, come say hello. Come come have a drink. Come have some fun. Uh, we are, are, are desperately looking forward to this and are very happy that we get to do this two years in a row. So... Uh, We will see you in about a month, a little less. Um, So we'll see you in a bit. In just over a month, we will be in Raleigh-Durham for the Wrexham match and doing our live show there. So it is coming very, very quickly. We have more shows coming for you this week. We have Sam working very hard on a Nicholas Jackson episode. We do not want to release that before anything is official because you know the jinx. We just don't like to play around with that type of fire. We're also going to put a couple of Blue Royalty episodes out in the main feed. Jesse and team have been doing phenomenal work profiling how that season went what we're looking forward new players there's a ton of great content that we're going to be cross posting on the main feed this season and then we also have a famous cfc history episode coming out again rick and gary doing amazing work 
giving you information, particularly if you're a new supporter or a supporter who just hasn't explored as much of Chelsea's history information there. But stay tuned to all of that. Subscribe for all of the wonderful episodes we have coming out. And thank you again for all of your support. And until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.